Hi everybody, this is Dr. Sam Byrne, and this is another edition of my iClarity podcast. Uh, we've got some wonderful questions today, so I think I'm just going to dive right in, and let's begin with Mary. Uh, Mary is uh, asking a question for her mother, who is 74 years old, and Mary heard me on a, a podcast that I did with Wellness Mama uh, about a year ago, which is an awesome show, by the way. Katie does a fantastic job and I highly recommend her podcast if you're interested in holistic health. But anyways, um, Mary's writing about her mom who had cataract surgery that went uh, south and that means that her cornea uh, detached after the cataract surgery. So they reattached the cornea and they also had to do a corneal transplant. They discovered a fungal infection in the cornea so they started to do steroid injections, but things weren't getting better. In fact, they were getting so bad that um, the doctors recommended the possibility of removing her eye altogether. So Mary took her mom for a second opinion to deal with the swelling. Um, and the best visual acuity that uh, Mary's mom could see was 2080. So that's not so great. Uh, you wouldn't be able to pass your driver's test with that acuity. And what these doctors recommended is to come back every 10 weeks for an injection. Uh, but again, things weren't really getting that much better. And now the doctor has said that uh, it could take up to two years to stabilize. So Mary's asking me uh, what the negative effects are of injections. How is the uh, good bacteria being challenged here in the eye? And uh, what else would I recommend? Well, what Mary is referring to is something called the ocular microbiome, and I did a blog posting about a year and a half ago uh, in Mind Body, Mind Body Green, and in that blog post, I wrote about how researchers have discovered the possibility that we have good bacteria in the eye, and this good bacteria can actually support a healthy eye, lymph, and eye immune system. And um, it is true that when you um, get a lot of injections, especially things like antibiotic injections or steroid injections, um, that this actually uh, challenges our ocular microbiome and it reduces the eye's ability to heal. And part of the swelling is the eye's attempt to deal with the inflammation, the possibility of oxidative stress, and also, you know, whether there is a bacterial viral or fungal infection, certainly you're going to be more susceptible to that. So the first thing I would recommend, Mary, is that I would uh, have your mom start doing my eye exercise uh, program. I call it the Eye Clarity Program. This is a free 90-day uh, program. And the one that I would probably have her work on would be the one related to um, dry eye syndrome, corneal health. And that would, be a, that would be about doing maybe three or four exercises every day. And I would probably do it five to 15 minutes uh, every day. Those eye exercises, uh, you know, I've time tested those over many, many years of getting success with people. And the purpose of the physical eye therapy exercises would be to strengthen the uh, immune system and the eye circulation and the eye lymph from from a more organic internal place. Uh, the injections and the steroid um, drugs suppress the immune system and, and create more insult in the eye um, lymph and the eye circulation. 
So there's no way that the eye is going to reduce its swelling uh, by continuing along that path. Since the, t the, the injections are about 10 weeks spread out, I might suggest, well, why don't you miss a few of them and keep in touch with your doctor. But I would spend time doing the eye a clarity program very diligently. And um, you're probably going to see some improvement in not only the visual acuity, but also reducing the swelling. The second thing I would do is I would start in, if you haven't already, with taking a daily probiotics uh, with enough colony family units. I like to recommend 50 to 90 billion probiotics uh, first thing in the morning. I also would probably recommend um, glutathione. You know, glutathione is a very helpful antioxidant, master antioxidant of the body, by the way. And it's uh, very helpful in terms of our eye health. So you would do the, the glutathione in a sublingual spray. And then I would start increasing um, the eye nutrients, um, vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin E, uh, taurine, um, uh, bilberry, making sure you're getting enough trace minerals in the body. Um, these, are, these eye nutrients are so important. You know, the B vitamins are very important for corneal health. And of course, the carotenoids, things like lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin are really important for retinal health. And when our eyes let us down, for whatever reason, we're not getting enough nutrient absorption and oxidative stress begins to accumulate free radicals. And this interferes with one's ability to absorb the eye nutrients and improve the eye lymph. So really boosting uh, the the nutrients, the eye nutrients is really important. I would also start in with the 5% MSM eye drops. I would do those four to eight times a day with a very light eye massage. I would also use um, EyeBright uh, tea. Now, EyeBright is something that I have used for many, many years. It's, um, it's actually an herbal formula. It's, uh, it's actually been used uh, to reduce inflammation in the eye um, it actually enhances our liver function. And in Chinese medicine, the liver is the internal organ that coincides with the eye as an external organ of the body. So the eye and the liver uh, talk to each other in terms of the energetic meridians. And I would start moving more towards working with plant-based medicines because they actually help balance our health as opposed to pharmaceutical drugs, which actually suppress our body's uh, inherent ability to heal. The Eyebrite um, tea, and I would get a loose tea, um, it has things in it like calcium, magnesium, manganese, niacin, vitamins A, B, and C, iron, aluminum, flavonoids, beta carotene, and it helps improve the eye lymph and may also help reduce the eye congestion and the eye inflammation. It can be very soothing, especially if the eyes are sore and stressed. So my recommendation, Mary, with the um, Eyebrite tea would be to use about a quarter cup of dried or fresh Eyebrite and two to three cups of distilled or spring water, heat it to just boiling, turn it down and simmer it for 12 to 18 minutes, let it stand for an hour before pouring, uh, pouring it through a fine mesh strainer. And then you can drink an eight to 10 ounce cup twice daily and keep the tea in a glass container in the refrigerator for up to, t refrigerator up to two weeks. 
I would also have your mom be using a cold compress made with the Eyebrite tea because this could actually help reduce the swelling that coupled with the MSM eye drops and uh, you can use a non-lint non cloth, moisten it uh, with cold Eyebrite tea and place it over the eyes gently for five to ten minutes and this will feel very rejuvenating and relaxing and I would repeat this several times a day until the symptoms uh, subside. Uh, so doing all these things, um, what you will start seeing is that you're not going to need to go get these injections um, and you're going to start to see the eye heal. You might actually start to see the visual acuity get better. The key is we want to reduce the swelling and um, we want to do that from the inside out. So the body's own mechanism can do that. Last but not least, um, I would make sure that your mom's getting at least a thousand milligrams a day of omega-3 fatty acids. This is another great anti-inflammatory agent. You know, we don't get enough fats and oils usually in our diet. Um, you know, if she wants to take it to the next level, I would go seek out a functional medicine doctor and find out if she's got any heavy metal toxicities or you know, other environmental toxicities or even toxicities from the pharmaceutical drugs that she's been taking. But I don't think that the injections, if they haven't worked by now, they're not. Um, last, one last point, if in fact she does have a fungal infection, I like to use essential oils. Um, and I'm gonna give you a list of essential oils that are really, really great for reducing um, a fungus in the body. Um, lemongrass, geranium, and tea tree would be three essential oils that she could start using. And I would use a drop of each on the soles of the feet twice a day. Now, putting it on the soles of the feet, you're not going to get any skin reactions, but it is going to get into the bloodstream. And eventually, because the eye circulates its blood in the retina throughout the whole body, eventually it is going to reach the eye, but it's going to do so indirectly. And these essential oils can actually help uh, reduce uh, any kind of fungus that occurs in the body. Essential oils also help in the oxygenation and hydration of our cells, which can help reduce oxidative stress. So you've got many things you can try. Um, I appreciate the question and uh, take good care. All right, question two. This is from Kay, and she's very excited about my content. She's a 63-year-old female who's been dealing with lazy eye all my years. Either eye will turn in depending on the situations like stress, position, and she's never been able to get corrective lenses that aren't too strong since the doctors cannot get accurate prescriptions because of the muscle focusing problems. She's also recognized that she doesn't have a lot of peripheral vision and she wants to know what can be done to improve her vision. She also has a struggle with nighttime driving and she doesn't like going into the box stores uh, that use fluorescent lighting. And she wants to know about a certain lens that I recommend. All right. Well, Kay, this is so great that you contacted me. You know, we want to give a label to our eyes like a lazy eye. I, I tend to like to say, why don't we call it 
an eye that sees in a different dimensional state, that maybe it's the eye that's, that's more sensitive or maybe it's the eye that is more creative. But when we get the label lazy, of course, we're going to stop working. And our eyes do have the ability to improve if we stimulate them. But we have to know what kind of stimulation to give them so that uh, our eyes and our brain know how to communicate and collaborate together. So the condition that you're actually speaking about is called an alternating esotropia. So one eye is straight, one eye is turned in, and then the other eye is straight and the other eye is turned in. So whenever our eye is turned in, we're either going to see double vision or the brain is going to cleverly suppress one of the eyes. And suppression is usually the, the choice because double vision is really confusing. But the bottom line is that when we have this condition where one eye is straight and one eye is crossed, this actually is not a lazy eye condition. Lazy eye uh, or amblyopia means that one of the eyes sees worse than the other eye. And it sees two lines worse on the eye chart than the other eye. That's kind of the technical def definition of it. But if you have an alternating situation, you don't have a lazy eye where one eye is seeing a lot blurrier than the other uh, because when one eye is straight, it's actually doing the seeing. And so if you're alternating, you're the kind of person that can see both sides of the, the picture, but it's hard for you to synthesize or integrate it together. So decision making could be really difficult because your two eyes are not um, simultaneous. But this particular condition is not isolated in the eye. It's actually, it actually, the source of it is in the brain and in the body in terms of our movement. And, you know, strabismus really means a lack of integration in the body and the brain. It's just, we see it in the eye. And so the, as an eye doctor, we're trying to fix the eye and uh, that just doesn't work very well because the source of the lack of integration goes way back. Probably it could be even in utero, but certainly the birth and or the bonding experiences pre-verbally are the places where we begin to learn to be simultaneous with our brain and body. That's like the, the really foundational place, which is why with strabismus, which is what you have, um, you need to explore um, getting your eyes to be straight as a byproduct of you learning better integration in your body. And in terms of doing that, it's going back to the drawing board and working with something that I call the primitive survival reflexes. Now, these are very early infant movement patterns that help us uh, adjust to coming out of the birth canal. And they should go away at about age one. They're they're related to our reptilian brain, the part of our brain where we're in fight or flight survival response. And when somebody develops strabismus, it means those primitive reflexes did not get fully integrated into the brain and body. So they start hanging around and they interfere with the visual development. So primitive reflex integration work, working with movement, is the first place to do that. And the reflex that's very tied in with that is called the Moro reflex. Now, the good news about all this, Kay, is that 
on my um, website, I put up something called an eye clarity, eye exercise protocol for double vision, strabismus, lazy eye. And that's the one I want you to do. And actually in that program, I actually put in the mororeflex integration. And it looks like the starfish where you're bringing both sides of the body in to the middle because basically when you've got an alternating situation, you don't have a solid midline, a solid core. And so when you don't have that solid core, the, mor the mororeflex teaches you how to bring both sides of the body into the core at the same time. The next thing you're going to work with is something called gross motor bilateral integration, which means probably going back and doing some skipping and maybe a little hopping and, you know, in other words, doing things that create a bilateral communication between both sides of the body and doing that both going forwards and going backwards while you're visually guiding and directing your body. So this is the key. Your eyes are your steering wheel. They're your GPS system. And one of the ways to develop your peripheral vision is to start uh, moving your body through space, but doing it in a way where there's a visually guided and directed movement. And then the next thing is you can begin to do some vision physical therapy exercises where you put yourself in a situation where you start showing up with both eyes simultaneously. And that's going to blow your mind when you start doing that. At first, it may feel really hard to do, but eventually that's the uh, preferred way of showing up so that you're, you're integrated, you're synthesizing both eyes, both sides of the brain, both sides of the body together. In this program, I have an exercise called Eye Dialogue, where you cover one eye and you talk to the other eye. And actually communicating with each eye separately will help you start to see the uh, the programming behind the eye which may be caused you to create this split in your vision at the beginning there's probably some psycho-emotional or um, energetic reason why you split your vision a lot of times it has to do with stress trauma or toxicity and so exploring the eye dialogue would be a great thing to do um, now, in terms of lens prescription, you're right on the mark. Eye doctors generally are not quite uh, successful at prescribing lenses based on a strabismus. You know, I, I was blessed to have many great teachers uh, teach me how to prescribe lenses. And one of the things that I learned is prescribing a lens that's maybe 50 to 60 percent of the, the power that one uh, finds when they're measuring the eyes and to give symmetrical lenses in each eye, the same lens in each eye, so that you're teaching the eyes and the brain to start to work together. Uh, so that's a very, you know, elementary and basic uh, principle that is so effective and yet it's being lost in eye care because eye doctors have turned it over to a mechanistic uh, procedure or their technician is doing most of the testing, or they're using eye drops, which paralyze the focusing muscles. And once you paralyze the focusing muscles, you're not going to get any kind of accurate prescription, except the maximum prescription, which is going to be very distorting, and uh, it's not going to create any, uh, any solution to the problem. 
There are something called yoked prisms, Y-O-K-E-D, that I use. And these are, these are special prisms that actually change the spatial orientation of a person, and it helps improve their uh, peripheral vision. But it's all related in their movement, their posture, uh, using these prisms while they're in the physical eye therapy um, program. They're not prescribed. They can be very, very helpful at stimulating the eyes to start to understand, oh, wow, I need to use my eyes together with my brain. You know, when you go into a, a fluorescent, uh, a place with fluorescent lighting, your eyes are basically uh, processing information like a strobe. So when you're in a fluorescent lighting situation, which is already a strobe effect, and you go into one of these box stores, your eyes are already in a strobe situation. It's going to make it very disconcerting. So for now, until you can learn to use both eyes together, I would stay out of that, uh, those stores. The last thing I would recommend would be uh, finding a good osteopathic craniosacral therapist. Uh, you know, studying and practicing craniosacral therapy for many, many years, there's a strong correlation between your condition and the brain rhythm, the how the bones and the fascia all relate to the eyes. And that if you get some craniosacral therapy and increase the movement of the cerebral spinal fluid in the brain, uh, the interface between the fascia in the face and in the eye muscles um, as it relates to the bones of the head, uh, you can actually be very successful at reducing the strabismic pattern. The thing is, is when you get ill, if you're under stress, that's when the strabismus is going to show more. So don't worry about it. Uh, but I would really jump into the physical eye therapy exercises and follow these benefit, uh, these um, recommendations, and you will get loads of benefits. You will see um, great improvement by doing these exercises. All right, this next question is from Geraldine, and she's asking about a condition called epiretinal membrane. It's on her right eye. Can I suggest a natural approach to cure this? Do you think the eye drops will help? All right, so the epiretinal membrane is a condition uh, known as macular pucker. That's another term for it. And this is a condition that is uh, related to a wrinkling of the macula area, which is the part of the, the retina where we see detail and we have color vision. It's a very tiny part of the retina. In fact, it's less than 1% of the real estate of the retina. And yet, it is definitely going to get our attention because it's the part of the retina where we identify and we see things. And the epiretinal membrane actually is a part of the retina um, uh, that does not contain blood vessels. It actually contains something called glial cells. And so what happens in this particular condition, um, there's a distortion created in the macula because there's a change in the epiretinal membrane, uh, meaning the glial cells um, are not um, getting the nutrients that they need. And 
you know, there are other reasons why we might get this macular pucker, uh, but what I find with elders, uh, this can be um, caused by just the fact that our eyes are aging and they're drying out and we're not uh, getting enough nutrient absorption in this particular area. Now, sometimes um, the vitreous, which is the gel-like part of the eye, the eye that sits in front of the, the retina, begins to shrink and as it does it begins to pull on the um, on the retina and this can be another reason why uh, we develop a macular pucker so the thing to note about uh, our retina is that it has one of the highest metabolic needs of the body and the macula has the highest metabolic need of the retina so the key in reversing this situation is to really target the eye in a way where you're really boosting, first of all, the very important carotenoids like lutein, zeaxanthin, and astaxanthin. These are so important for our macular health, but as we age, we tend to not, we don't get the same absorption capability, and this causes, um, some kind of a deterioration of the tissue. So there's a starvation in the tissue. Uh, so lutein, zeaxanthin, astaxanthin, vitamin C, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, resveratrol. These are all really important for macular health. Now, the next question becomes, what's your dietary absorption like? And for most people, they aren't getting enough probiotics into their gut, and they're not getting enough digestive enzymes in their gut. Number three, they're not eating uh, foods that are anti-inflammatory. Uh, so this is all coupled with reduced nutrient absorption, oxidative stress. And the next level is uh, what toxicities do we have in our body? So you've got a lot of work here to do in terms of maybe going to a functional medicine doctor and assessing your dietary absorption and what are things that you can do to boost your good bacteria in the gut, which reduces inflammation, which improves the immune system, which improves the ability to get rid of metabolic waste, which then allows the eyes to get the nutrients that it needs. So... The functional medicine or naturopathic approach is really important. Also, what is your endocrine health like? Um, you know, thyroid, adrenals, uh, these are really important in terms of our eye health. And they can affect, again, our ability to absorb the nutrients. Certainly, the MSM eye drops would be excellent to use, but I don't think it's the total answer. It certainly is going to bring more collagen health, uh, reducing inflammation, moisturizing. So certainly you could do the MSM with the eye massage. I would consider my eye clarity eye exercise program for macular degeneration. I think that would be a great uh, boost for you because those exercises are going to stimulate your macula, stimulate your eye to... Uh, to work better, 
to absorb your nutrients better, to improve the lymph function, reduce the eye stress. And then finally, if you're using digital devices, I would definitely get a blue blocking lens to protect your macula. If you're out in the sun, I would get a, a sun lens that protects you against ultraviolet light. Um, I would consider perhaps getting some acupuncture uh, and or craniosacral therapy. So you've got to treat this both on a macro level, body, systemic, metabolic, and a micro level. If you do these things, at the very least, you have a really good chance of slowing down the progression of the uh, macular pucker. And if you go on my website, uh, there are some people who've done my protocol and they've written testimonials where their macular pucker has gone completely away. So you could be one of those people. Uh, the allopathic approach really isn't going to do much for you. I would stay away from that. Uh, I would uh, move into these more alternative, holistic, complementary uh, protocols. I think you'll get much more out of it than um, the allopathic approach. So that's, uh, that's my response, uh, Geraldine. And thank you so much for the question. This next question is from Amy, and she's writing about her son who's in medical school, and he was in a moped accident, and he broke uh, two neck vertebrae, and he's also uh, has a traumatic brain injury. Um, he, he had a difficult time with uh, his left eye, which wouldn't close voluntarily for many weeks, so this is probably some kind of a cranial nerve problem. And now he's dealing with uh, eye twitch, and uh, dry eye and he wants to know uh, whether the MSM eye drops uh, would work. He's all, uh, she's also interested in the near-infrared light therapy once a day and um, if that would help as well. Okay Amy, so what you're dealing with in terms of your son is a TBI, traumatic brain injury. And any trauma to the head or you know that particular area uh, creates a soft tissue damage that goes unseen by MRIs. I know this because for many years I was a consultant uh, for different uh, business companies and lawyers in the area of traumatic brain injury and how it affects the eyes. So in this particular case, uh, what's the first and foremost is the question that you want to be asking again on a macro level is how can you help your son heal the trauma that he uh, received? This could al almost be seen like a concussion. Uh, so the brain and the nerves definitely got jumbled up. And so I would consider uh, some osteopathic craniosacral therapy or biodynamic craniosacral therapy. Cranial work I find is very, very helpful in helping a person release the trauma that they've absorbed into their head. And without uh, healing the trauma, you can take the fanciest uh, uh, vitamin or food protocol or eye drop. Um, unless you heal the trauma, because trauma is about paralysis. It's about that part of the body being frozen and being in a constant defense strategy state to avoid any more trauma. And so there's a deadening of the tissue around the area where the trauma exists. And until you heal that, that's number one. You have to release and heal the trauma. Um, now, there's another type of 
uh, trauma release work called uh, Somatic Experiencing. This was invented by Peter Levine. So you might look for therapists who do somatic experiencing. Uh, this could be also be very helpful. In other words, getting the trauma out of the body. This is so critical. Another possibility would be to go to a classical homeopath, somebody who really dwells in homeopathy and can give some homeopathic remedies on a frequency vibrational level that can help release the trauma. So all of this is natural, organic. It isn't using pharmaceutical drugs or surgery or even invasive surgeries or invasive treatments. Um, so those would be some things I would begin with. Certainly the MSM eye drops with the eye massage could be very helpful. I do have an eye clarity program, eye exercise program for traumatic brain injury, which I developed over many years of working in hospitals, and it is so effective because it's a form of physical eye therapy, and that's what your son needs. He needs that. Uh, the eye twitch uh, is suggests that he's, um, you know, he's still dealing with the trauma, that he's not able to release it. So um, uh, those would be some things to do. And then color therapy for the eyes can also be an adjunct therapy that can be effective in opening up the peripheral vision. And again, like homeopathy, it's frequency-based, so it can help release uh, the, the trauma and at the same time open up the peripheral vision. Things like red light or near-infrared light therapy, as an adjunct, secondarily, can be helpful, but I don't think it gets to the root cause. And, you know, there's a difference between active therapy and passive therapy. This is a key point, Amy, that you can go to therapists and you lay there and they do things to you, but you don't really learn. You don't really understand. You're just getting input. And so it's very passive. And a lot of times in this passive therapy, you don't make the same level of improvement comparing it to active therapy, which, be, which would be like a form of physical eye therapy um, or something like that, that would be active where he's got to learn, relearn how to use his eyes, his brain, and his body together. So I'm not against passive therapy. Obviously, the craniosacral therapy is um, part of the passive therapy. But doing things both active and passive uh, are really important. And I'm, I'm a firm believer that, you know, these, these secondary th or tertiary therapies like laser therapy or infrared sauna, they're helpful, no doubt about it, but they don't get to the core of what is really going on. I mean, sometimes in traumatic brain injury or trauma therapy, you can do something called neurobiofeedback. And this is a form of biofeedback therapy for the brain that actually helps change, change the brain waves and moves you out of a PTSD, post-traumatic stress uh, disorder syndrome, which I think your son is experiencing. So you got your work cut out for you here. If he's open-minded to this, uh, you know, being in med school, you do get a certain allopathic structural point of view that kind of limits some of the things that I'm talking about, which addresses it more on a functional trauma level. And more and more doctors are actually recognizing that we can't just look at the structure and the anatomy, but we have to look at the functional reasons that are causing the disease or the disharmony and work from there. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you so much for the question. 
My last question from t uh, for today, this is a question I've been getting a lot uh, from several people, so I thought I would address it. It's a condition called central serous chor chorioretinopathy, better known as central serous retinopathy, and it's, it's diagnosed mostly in young men between the ages of 20 to 50. Symptoms can include a sudden onset of blurred vision in one eye, and also there can be an experience of dim dimness of colors and images. Another symptom of this uh, retinal disorder is distortion of, of straight lines, kind of like macular degeneration. So one can experience a blind spot showing up in the peripheral vision if they've got this central serous retinopathy because there's usually fluid that leaks behind the retina, usually close to the macular area. So it can sometimes uh, mirror uh, wet macular degeneration. Uh, the leakage originates in the choroid layer behind the retina, and uh, this is due to the microcapillaries, those tiny blood vessels in the retina that are not able to fully oxygenate and hydrate the retinal tissues, especially in the retinal pigment epithelial layer of the retina, and this uh, causes oxidative stress and inflammation. Um, and people ask me, what's the, what, are, what are the causes of this central serous retinopathy? Well, the number one cause is stress. And isn't just eye stress, although visual stress is part of it, but it's emotional stress, it's body stress. Second reason is autoimmune disease. So if you're suffering any kind of autoimmune disorder, this can affect uh, this condition. Another thing is out of control glucose levels. You know, when uh, we start developing fluid behind the retina, one of the first things that I've learned from, from these kinds of conditions is what is our glucose level? What is our blood sugar level? Are we getting, um, you know, are we eating too much of the simple carbohydrates? Uh, maybe we need to move, move more to proteins, uh, fats and oils, uh, plant-based foods with antioxidants. So the glucose levels are really important. And then the cortisol, cortisol levels that are produced in the adrenals when we have high cortisol levels, it means that our sympathetic nervous system is overworking, and this can also lead to this condition. Some other things, high blood pressure, the use of drugs that contain uh, amphetamines, uh, stimulant uh, medications, even things like caffeine, uh, anti-anxiety drugs, epinephrine used to treat asthma or sleep apnea, um, if you get a blood test and you have a high homocysteine level, this can be relating to uh, central serous retinopathy. And something called H. pylori bacteria, which is in the gut, which can cause a chronic intestinal inflammation. Um, your dietary absorption really can trigger this condition. So really addressing that is so important. Kidney imbalances, drugs like decongestions, uh, decongestants, erectile dysfunction drugs, and some anti-conventional, anti-cancer drugs. So the conventional treatment is using steroid drugs, or sometimes what doctors will use is a photosensitizing drug that's injected into the bloodstream followed by a low-level laser to activate the drug. So these are all treating symptoms. In my approach, I recommend definitely eating an anti-inflammatory diet, reducing stress as a lifestyle change, improving eye lymph and retinal circulation through my eye exercise program. The one I would recommend would be the one related to retinal health. 
nutrients like astaxanthin, lutein, zeaxanthin, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamin D3, vitamin C, resveratrol, bilberry, taurine, and my MSMI drops can reduce the risk of CSR or central serous retinopathy from reoccurring. It always comes down to the same thing, doesn't it? You know, the more we can reduce our stress, live a healthier lifestyle, eat a diet that contains a lot of antioxidants and stay away from processed foods, um, get tested for both environmental and heavy metal toxicities, even things like pesticides uh, or eating foods with GMO. Um, all of these things together, getting enough proper aerobic exercise, good sleep, um, work on your relationships and your emotional health, all of these things will move you away from the edge of some of these eye disorders. So that's our show for today. Wow, what a great show. Uh, thank you for tuning in again. I really appreciate the questions. And until next time, take good care. You're listening to a podcast with Dr. Sam Byrne. To learn more about his seminars and workshops, visit his website, www.drsambyrne.com. The Byrne Method is a trademark signature of Dr. Sam Byrne for his workshops, seminars, books, and DVDs. The information presented in this podcast is in no way intended as a substitute for receiving professional medical care. The design and purpose for this podcast is to provide information for educational purposes only. Dr. Byrne and his guests have no liability or responsibility to any person or entity for loss, damage, injury caused, or allegedly caused through the information, exercises, suggestions, explorations, or written responses presented in this podcast. Dr. Byrne is not a medical authority and his guests are not qualified to diagnose or treat any disease or health problem. This podcast is not a substitute for medical care. Dr. Byrne's information is only his personal opinion. If you have any health problem, please seek medical care for whatever condition you may have.